Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. As crazy as you are, as relentless as you are from running from Him and doing your own thing, you hear the Holy Spirit talking to you and you still with your own direction. But somehow you found out real quick that our God's arm ain't too short to save and he reached out and grabbed you in the midst of what you was going through. <laughs> oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. Lord God, your love is great. Your mercy and kindness towards us knows no end and somebody in here already they know you but they've gone far from you and you're letting them know today that I'm right there with you I've never left you I've never forsaken you messed up this week you messed up last night you messed up this morning God is saying to you I'm still there and he wants you back somebody give him a hand praise amen Fellas, come on to the stage. <clears throat> come on to the stage. Well, I notice you know this, this. There is something different going on this morning. Well, we are going to have a robust manhood discussion today. And we're going to be talking to each other. Y'all just going to kind of be in on it. Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship Barbershop. So we're going to have some... We're gonna have some biblical barbershop talk today. And so um, we, got, we, got some, we got some cats cutting today, slicing and dicing today. So, you know, it's actually gonna be, a, Glody, you, you, you got some work to, I see you, Glody, okay. I see you. And so we're gonna go ahead and, and get ready to dig in. Let's um, turn in your Bibles over to 1 Kings chapter two. 1 Kings chapter two, uh, because we wanna, talk about and discuss um, issues. How many of you have God um, touched you in the manhood series? Anybody? 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 First Kings. First Kings. Um, two. First Kings two. Uh, right here. Amen. There we go. As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon, as for me, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong and be a man. Um, this is interesting to me as you look at this passage of scripture because David is like, I'm going the way of all the earth, I'm finna die. And as he begins to talk about the fact that he's about to die, I mean, it's interesting for him what he says to his son. And I want us to kind of start our kind of barbershop dialogue on this. He says, be strong and be a man. What is the assumption if a father is telling a son to be a man? I like the way the New American Standard says it. It says, show yourself a man. Um, 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 talk to me, gents. Talk to me about what, 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 what are we looking at here as we're seeing 
um, a father talking to a son about being a man? What is the assumption here? Uh, so, so I think uh, you, you can assume that, um, that a man may be fearful at times because he has to be told to be strong and he has to be told to be courageous. And so whenever you have to tell somebody to do those things, that means most times there's, and there's going to be moments where they are going to be fearful, right? So I just think um, we can just apply this to right now just as, as young men needing to be told, like, yo, be strong and be courageous. Yeah. Um, you also can assume that David, um, he already taught him. He already taught him how to be a man, um, yeah. just by what he's saying. You know, it's a it's a command. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's real, real good. That's real, real good. So when you look at this idea of him being taught about being a man, what what do you think are the top things teaching men right now? Uh, I I think the the top. <clears throat> you said top three things teaching. Yeah, you can, you, yeah, I, you I just I, one I just think is <clears throat> uh, uh, culturally I think uh, your peers like your environment is what tells you if you walk out the door and the guy is sagging his pants and talking to people however he wants to you think that that's the model in which a man should go but if he is um, you know doing the right things on social media or in the environment that'll that'll lead you the right way. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. I think. Um, the way the world categorizes success, mm -hmm. you know, if you got a lot of materialistic things, houses, cars, even women, um, that make men that's not getting the right guidance think that that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, anybody else? I feel like right. your upbringing, your past, the experiences that you've had can really lead you into what you see, what you've seen, yeah. what you believe to be a man as well. That's what's up, that's what's up. Come on, Pastor Kurt. <laughs> um, I, I, I think definitely from a media standpoint, uh, with social media, entertainment, music, um, there's, there's just such a wide range of information that, ha that is overwhelming men right now, younger men, well older men too, but, but younger men that is in a lot of ways dictating what perceived manhood is. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I know for me even growing up, um, because I knew I couldn't look to my dad for what manhood was, even though I didn't know it was, what it was, I saw him and I was like, that's not what it should be. Yeah. And so where I ended up looking was 90s R&B music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. see nothing wrong. I don't see nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you're having my baby. And it means so much to me. Come on. I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's, that's all I was listening to. So, so um, manhood, especially in relation to sexuality and relationship with women, was determined by what I heard through music mm. and what I saw depicted in the 90s television shows that I was watching. Yeah. And I wasn't looking to them for, 
for manhood instruction, but I was inherently getting something from them without even knowing it, and my behavior was now becoming adapted to be shaped around what I was viewing and hearing on a regular basis. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can piggyback off that, um, like the environment more so. Uh, you know, playing football, being a former football player, I kind of like learned through teammates. Wow. Like really just, you know, teammates being around me and, uh, you know, talking about uh, women in the sense of, what you do, what, who you do, or those things. Like, I'm like, Watch it, Doc. whoa. In the barbershop, it's all right. So, Y'all eavesdropping, we in the barbershop. <laughs> but, but yeah, just being realistic, it's, you know, that's from, from the football side of things. Yeah, 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 that's crazy. Chris, thanks for that. Well, you know, it's interesting in this text, right, that we're in, like David is saying, show yourself a man, but it's interesting that he knew where his son was. Um, because when you look at the last few chapters of Chronicles, <laughs> David gets in front of the entire congregation because he's supposed to, he wanted to build a temple based on 2 Samuel. <clears throat> God said no. And then God told him his son would build the temple. Then he told the people, hey, God told me no. He told me my son's going to build it, but my son don't know nothing. He said, my son is unwise and inexperienced. I mean, just think about just somebody telling the whole church that you experienced, you inexperienced, but you about to be the leader, but you can't do nothing, right? <laughs> but what, but what, I, what I like about that, though, is, is that David sought to fill in the gaps of his son's lack of wisdom and leadership right after that. So let me ask y'all some questions. Let me ask y'all this question. Um, who in life influenced you as a man? Like for positive or for negative, um, who influenced you as a man? I'll say uh, for positive, my father influenced me um, as a man in terms of diligence, working hard, consistency, um, what a good marriage looks like. You know, thirty-three years committed. So um, I would say negatively, uh, I was around football so much that I realized so much in my life was so consumed of it. My coaches. I would say impacted me negatively. And I say that to say, um, you're taught so much to be so tough. You're taught so much to be so strong, but not vulnerable. So I had to, you know, go from going from high school to college and then trying to pursue, you know, the NFL, it's like, you. You see so much of, yeah, in the media and the glamour, and it seems like everything's you know, great and guys are successful, but there's a lot of insecurities I end up, you know, I re were revealed later on that I found out about myself. But it didn't happen until I became vulnerable. Amen. Amen. Um, I would say, still figuring that out, uh, like my father showed me some good things, showed me some bad things. And when the bad things would come, it would be like, okay, like, take care of me, you work all the time. We've been married for 25 or so years. Yeah. But I know like you sleep with other women. You've like taken me with you when you slept with other women. And so like, I know that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And then you like tell me, don't tell my mom. So you know you had to do something wrong too. 
So um, it's like as much as I learned from him to do, I also learned like the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. And um, just being an epiphany with the leadership we have, yourself, Pastor Nair, and Pastor Kurt, the elders, it just showed me how like a man can walk biblically um, and can love his family through tough times. Um, I've heard you countless sermons when you just like, things not good, but I'ma lean in more. I remember you talked about being tempted in your own life and how you just leaned in more. And so um, that's been, been, been immense for shaping my manhood. Um, so, you know, for the, for, the, for the longest time I had resentment towards my dad for not teaching me what it looked like to be a man uh, until I realized that his dad didn't teach him what it was like to be a man. And so, like for me, I'm the only man, the only male on my dad's side of the family that's a Christian, yeah. like at all. And so, you know, when I looked at the generations prior to my dad, like my, my grandfather's dad left, my dad's, my grandfather left the house. And so like there's just this generation of, um, you know, men not knowing what it looks like to be a man. And so, you know, I held that against him for a long time until I realized that he wasn't equipped to teach me what I needed to know as a man. Um, but on the flip side of that, like I, I had a, like the Lord was gracious to place in my life a man by the name of Doug Logan, um, who um, stumbled across my family uh, and, um, and just kind of pulled me in. Uh, so I got to see from him what a, like what a healthy marriage was, like what it looked like for somebody to tell you one thing but also to do what they were telling you, which I hadn't seen often. I had been told a lot of things but hadn't seen you actually living that way. Yeah. Uh, and so like being able to see the, the, uh, a synchronized life and lips experience from a man um, was extremely helpful. And to have a man like for the very first time like really like challenge me about my, like, my sexual ethic. Like, like, I sat in his basement in the barber's chair, and he's talking to me, you know, with, with a girl sitting next to me, and he's jamming me up about my sexual ethic, like, on blast. Um, but but I, need, I needed another man to come in and challenge the way I thought, to challenge the way I acted and lived and behaved. And so, um, Doug Logan definitely was one of those, one of those early guys. Amen, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to piggyback off my brother, uh, yeah, a father, I, I would say, was, was positive and, and negative um, in different ways. Um, positive, very sacrificial, um, always putting others and his family before himself. Um, but we never had that, conversa that conversation um, about sex. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that affected uh, me negatively because my first conversation about sex was when I was a freshman in high school in a boys locker room and somebody had mentioned the word porn. And so uh, curiosity was the beginning of a 10 year porn addiction. And so that really affected me negatively. And so, um, and so, so I think it's, it's a mix of both. Um, but that's, that's, that's some of the ways I've been affected negatively and positively. Cool. Anybody else? Yeah, uh, just to jump in. Um, same, same as you just mentioned, dad, mom, married, see it all. Um, example, uh, uh, compare and contrast, like Pastor Kurt said, living it versus talking it. 
And um, good that, you know, po positive and negative, negative, if I, just to, to, to get to it, would probably be, you know, hey, you know, be with it, be, be yo, you young, you single, be with women, X, Y, and Z, like that's like a rite of passage. Um, and then coming into a, for example, in a barbershop, you know what I mean? As influential as a barbershop is, those men who cut your hair or in that shop are just as pivotal for raising you as, you know, the other people in your life. So when you have a valid moment in your life, you, you tell the people in your barbershop, yo, look, last time we was here, I did this. And now, two weeks later, I'm at this point, you know, and they say, oh, that's the right way, or even vulnerability. You know what I mean? You can't, as we mentioned earlier, man, you can't cry in a barbershop, but, but, but why? You know what I mean? Like, if there is a, a moment to kind of be vulnerable and have other men hold you accountable and, and let you have it, you know what I mean? Um, and so those things, I think, affected me negatively to think, oh, man, I'm a man, bro, don't cry. Like, don't, don't let nobody see you cry. You know, don't, you, being, being, and on the opposite side, being faithful was one of the things I prided myself on because my dad would say, yo, man, you, you know what I mean? You young, you single. But if that's the lifestyle you let me live or thinking to live as a single male, I'm training myself yeah, yeah. and I won't be ready when it's time to be a married man. I've been training myself to think like a savage, you know? Yeah, Can savage, hashtag savage. <laughs> uh, I, I learned how to be a man from other, other men, real men. Uh, I'm a kid from Brooklyn, New York, and my <laughs> and uh <laughs> shout out to Brooklyn, y'all. Uh, they over there talking about something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Boogie. My dad was in my life, but he wasn't in my life. And so I'm I'm by me being a barber, I learned how to be a man by listening to other men talk to me. And when I became a father myself, I knew what not to do. What people don't know right here, right now, I carry a picture of my dad with me everywhere I go to remind me what not to be and to be better than him. And when I was at the age of 17, I stood and told my father to his face, I will be better than you. The things that you didn't do by fighting for me, coming to see me, pick me up, I'm doing that for my kids. And I'm going to tell y'all that the devil has really been trying to get his way with me by reaching that goal. Little do y'all know, I actually gave up seeing my son today to be here today. And I'm glad that I came here today because I've learned a lot. I was here at first service, and it's been awesome. And listening to these men up here, yeah, it's, it's powerful. And uh, my inspiration is other men and real men, and God has put real men into my life to teach me how to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that we, we heard at the first service, we heard at this service, we heard, you know, the, you know, if they had the negative caricature as a father, right? Um, one of the things I want to encourage men to do um, is never forget, you know, that negative caricature. But one of the things is you don't want what your father wasn't to become your standard. Because what, what you want to do as a believer in Christ is the Bible talks about he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so you inadvertently create an image when you use a negative image against in creating a positive image, you're creating an image. 
but the, 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 the um, 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 but 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 Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And so one of the things in remembering that negative image, because you need creation for all redemption, but you also want to never forget, man, I'm, I want to be conformed to Christ's image, not the anti-image of my pops. Because if you, if you, if you, because I appreciate you sharing that because that's a really, because for years I functioned under the anti-image disposition. And as I grew in Christ, I began to realize, man, I can't live my life trying to prove something to someone that may not even care about what type of man I become, you know? And so now I say, uh, what's beautiful about being a believer is you don't have to prove anything to God. It's crazy because you're already accepted. You only have to prove something to people who don't accept you. Um, and, so, and so with that, because I really appreciate, let's give him a hand for sharing that story. It's amazing, amazing for sharing that. Matter of fact, he's at my son's barbershop, so he's in here today, chilling with us today. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, the, you know, this is the juggernaut passage. Um, this is the juggernaut verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was a child, everybody ready to shout just on that part. I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned as a child. So when I was a child, I did three things. I spoke childishly, I thought childishly, and I reasoned childishly. Says, when I became a man, I put away what? What? What are those childish things? Childish speaking, childish thinking, and childish reasoning. So talk to me today, gents. Like, as we talk about this, why do you think a lot of men function in childishness and extended adolescence and a disposition of life that's not even a biblical sociological framework for growth? Talk to me about talk to me about that. Why do so many men wallow in childishness? Yeah, wallow. Don't all y'all talk at the same time. I think it's, um, it's, it's the fear of, of the created expectation if you fail. Um, as men, we, we carry this weight to have the right answer or know what we're supposed to do. And if the fact remains that we just don't, we, we get crippled by like, well, what is that gonna mean? How are they gonna look at me? Um, am I gonna lose the respect that I think I've garnered um, from from past good decisions. Um, so ultimately, I feel like it's hard for us to move fear, excuse me, move forward when we're crippled by that fear. And um, it's just comfortable to do the thing that you already knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the top, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Kyle. Uh, I was gonna say, the, the piggyback is kind of like uh, when I watch my own child, and uh, sometimes you, you watch your child from a distance and you just see how they put stuff together or you know, do things and how they act when they think you're not there. And um, you kind of, you kind of, oh, why they chose to put the block up there when that wasn't a thing. Whereas when you're, but they don't know, they don't know better. They're still learning, they're still growing. Versus as, a, as an adult, uh, I am still learning, I'm still growing, but I'm old enough now to know the things that weren't right. Or, and so, like he touched on it, it is fear, it is, um, and last week's sermon was perfect because it talked about planning and I took a lot of notes because 
That is, that is something where the, the, their spouse and other people do depend on you as a man to lead them. And if you only can make childish decisions based off of selfishness and not off of being you know, willing to fall on the sword for the family or whoever it is, the community, then you kind of lose uh, the, the urgency to want to wanna grow up and do the right things. How, how, do, how do men face their childish approach to sexuality? I mean, I feel like we got to have accountable men to make us approach it. Because for myself, I remember my dad telling me at like 12, like, I'm going to get you your first X, Y, Z. And I'm like, in my mind, it was kind of like, I was like scared. Like, what? But I didn't want to tell my dad I was scared because then he was like, you're not being a man. And so it was just like, dad, I already did that already. And he's like, oh, yeah. And mind you, I didn't do nothing. But I knew it would get him off my back, and I could just like figure that part out as I was learning in the street with it. Wow. Because wow. we didn't even have a conversation about it. It wasn't even like a, all right, if you're going to do this, do it this way, birds, bees, none of that. It was just like, did you do it? And I'm just like, yo, bro, like, yeah, I did it. Check. Done. Wow, 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 wow. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Yeah. Many of us, myself included, have grown up in the dark of just trying to hide everything that we've experienced sexually. And I feel like as we've grown up, there's just such this large gray area of, I guess it's okay, I guess it's fine if we just continue to dabble in this stuff because there's so much shame that we don't really want to open up about. And I think if we actually are honest with ourselves, like shame doesn't exist anymore with the power of the cross. And I feel like if we, if we look at that of like, okay, regardless of what I've experienced and done, like, Jesus has already covered that, and as Steph, you were saying, like having accountability, having groups, having men, having DNA where you can just chop it up, and um, it not being unhealthy where you just like, oh yeah, I fell too, oh okay, you know, better luck next time, but like actually, <laughs> right? Like that—that's what it can be sometimes. So I just feel like wrestling with it, but wrestling with it um, with the gospel and just knowing that Christ has covered it and that He has called us to be a man and to put those things aside. Yeah. Oh. So it's, it's interesting that men typically are very non-communal. Um, like we like to move in isolation because it's like a badge of honor of being able to just do things on your own with nobody's help. However, on the flip side of that is men only change in community because we need other men both for accountability and instruction. And so the very isolation that most of us operate in is the very thing that's keeping us from being able to change and grow. He said, don't break the mic, dropping it down. <laughs> so in light of, in light of these things, because so, so, so they are childish ways we engage. So, so ask, answer me this, riddle me this, right? Um, how would you benefit and different men in the church be men be benefit from being intentionally engaged by men in growing like what does that look like and how does the church begin to say uh, man we need to intentionally develop men and help them to grow what are some ways we can call men up and develop men in that way uh i, I would say starting young um, I mean, you, you, you do a, a great example of having your children involved early and, and seeing it and understanding 
just the, the, the power of the Bible, you know, um, understanding um, what, what good people look like. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps to uh, shape how they, not to say judge, but how you uh, have discernment for the right people around you. Um, and so learning it at an early age, you know, don't get me wrong, as we get older, we still can recognize, um, you know, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. But if you're able to uh, kind of show them the, 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 the pros of the, the right people around them and the, the masculinity and um, how to be vulnerable but yet still respect it, um, those things, if you implement them early, I think life will, you know, adolescents will challenge them to, but their foundation will be solid. Yeah. That's what's up. Anybody else? One more. Anybody else? Some ways we can challenge men and help men to grow up. Um, I would say uh, just, just, I know it sounds simple, but caring and, and pouring into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... We had an humanity session. I don't remember which one, but when I was questioning UPC about forgiveness, and like I didn't like the answer, but he didn't care about that, <laughs> and, and he just made sure that he gave me the true biblical answer. And so in that answer, it was like, all right, now I gotta do some work. But if he didn't care, he might have just told me something I wanted to hear, and then I wouldn't have did no work because I thought I was cool. So I just think like actually investing in each other as brothers, as extended family in Christ. Um, it, it just compels you to, to care and, and try harder and push harder and push through. What about the guy, and I'm not beating anybody up, what, if, what about the guy that comes with his girlfriend to church or his wife? How do, how do we, you know, engage that guy who is here and, like, she's been trying to get him to come here? And yeah, I'm telling you, it's different, you know. And, um, you know, don't, don't y'all even look at the person beside you, right? <laughs> And then they come and it's like different and then they just continue to come. How do we just encourage, lovingly encourage those brothers who say, man, I'm like it here, but I'm kind of fearful of the next level of, because this, since this is like, like what we've heard from people is this a, is a real church. That's what we keep hearing. So um, in hearing that, that scares people because people talk bad about the church, but then when they find a real church, then, it's, then they get scared to death. So how do we, because now we got to actually deal with real issues in our lives. So how do we encourage those men that it's not going to be a beat up session, but a call up session? So I I think generally speaking, like men entertain relationships where women invite them to church, but they change because they're in relationships with other men. Right. And so I think one of the. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Reverend, say that. Again. <laughs> um, so, I, 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 one of the things that we've even been learning, y'all really want me to say that again? You don't remember it, do I'm you? Sorry, I thought you that don't was, remember it, do I, you? I thought y'all was just being facetious. Um, I forgot what I said. <laughs> you basically said women bring men to church, but they can't change oh, in their relationship. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. yeah. So, so men entertain women bringing them to church, but uh-huh. they only change when they're in relationships with other men. Yeah. Um, so so one, one of the things we've even been talking about in humanity is, for instance, like men don't respond to general invitations. Men respond to personal invitations from other men. 
And so one of the things that we've been talking about, especially for guys that have been coming for a while or that we just see on the fringes, is we've been encouraging men in the church, like, you got to go find a man that you know is on the fringes and ask, like, go up to him every week and ask him, what's his name, how he doing? And check in with him every week. And you need to give a personal invitation, like, so and, and make that invitation yourself because otherwise, like, you can say, we can put Numanity up on the announcements. Men are not going to come to Numanity if they don't have relationships already built with other men and get a personal invitation to come. And so as men in the church, we can't assume that men are just going to show up. You have to go get men through relationships and personally invite them. And so that, that's, that's one way. That's amazing. And we thank God for your leadership, man. In that area, let's give God a hand, praise for Pastor Kirk. Um, so the the this is the beast mode passage. Like this is the passage where kind of the rubber meets the road when we talk about scripture and applying it applies to everybody, but applying it to men. So Galatians six seven through ten. Do not be deceived. God is not mock. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. You can stop there. So, 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 so this is, this is interesting here. What are some ways that men sold to their flesh that hinder their spiritual growth? What are some flesh sowing things that, that hinder our spiritual growth? It's, it's the little battles. I feel like every time, like, I feel like whipping out my phone and going on Facebook, but I know I could be doing something else every time. I feel like, okay, well, my wife's talking to me, but I'm going to just check out for a quick second because I need a break. Like every time you say little yeses to yourself, you're just affirming and affirming and affirming your flesh. And it's those little things. And all of a sudden when stuff happens, you look back like, well, I said no to this. I said no to this. Well, no wonder I said no to this big thing. You know? So it's, just, it's those little battles that you need to conquer time and time again. Yeah. Anybody else? Good, good job, Josh. Anybody else? Anybody else? I would just say piggybacking off of Josh, um, not always looking for that, that personal gratification for the things that feel good. Yeah. Like having the, the fruit of the spirit of self-control, mm -hmm. being able to tell yourself no, even like if you can do it, but it might not be good for you yeah. or others around you even. Um, I remember being younger and like smoking marijuana but I will always like hide it when like other little kids were around. Cause something told me just like, all right, I'm doing this, but like, I don't want them to see me doing it. But then I remember getting older and not caring about none of that. And like, I'm just doing me right now. This is what I'm doing. Like, what you gonna tell me? I'm grown. And I, I challenged myself on like, where's the disconnect in that? And it was just me just worrying about me being selfish. Um, so I thank God that that's done, but I, I remember that vividly. It was just, just like, I'm just doing what I want. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's and also being, just being, uh, being comfortable being uncomfortable, um, having those moments where you recognize like this isn't who I know I am and I have to answer to the, com the core conviction instead of saying, yeah, this is what I normally do. This is what we do, right? It's Friday happy hour. This is what we do, right? It's 
denying yourself and understanding that and having the ability to know that, yeah, I'm, I'm losing right now, you know, and it's really hard. That's like when you got an itch, you know, like you ever had an itch in your hands full? It, it's, it's, it's the same, it's the same feeling. It's like, yo, only for the 20 seconds that it itch does it really itch, but if I sustain after the 20 seconds, it'll go away. And it's the, I think, the, you know, the flesh is the same way. That's what's up. That's what, now this is interesting. The parallel in this passage is real interesting. So if you, um, you don't have to turn it, but if you go back to chapter five, right? Chapter five, verses 19 through 21, mirrors this as well as verses 22 through 24, mirrors verses seven through 10. How does it mirror it? Because it lets you know what the deeds of the flesh are. You know, and it's funny, at the end of the deeds of the flesh, and Paul says, and the like. Like, he said, y'all know the other things that's, that's wild, right? <laughs> then he gets to the fruit of the spirit, and he begins to talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those, self-control, all of those different things. And then he goes in chapter 6 and then talks about how to sow. Now, what this, this is very gospel-empowering for me. Why is it empowering? Because God has given us, all believers, but we're talking about men today, particularly men who who don't feel empowered to be the men that God called them to be, the gospel already, by the fruit of the Spirit, God has placed the fruit of the Spirit in you. That means you have the ability to have self-control. Because Christ died and invested in you being a man and having self-control. So, so, that, so that means you can say no to the right things and yes to the right things. Right, the wrong things and yes to the right things. On the other side, we, we have the ability to be patient. You know, we have the ability to be, to, to be gentle. Gentle and, and, and kind. Matter of fact, we, we, we have the ability to be, it says love is one of the fruit of the spirits. An unloving man is antithetical to the Christian life. And so God has given us the ability, that's the beauty of being a Christian, is, is, is you're, you're not trying to become a man. You're already trying to find the manhood God has given you in Christ. And so all you're doing is living in light of who he's made you to be. And so many times we need to just encourage and strengthen and invest in uh, uh, encouraging men. Yo, man, everything that God wants you to be is already in you. It's the illustration I always give. This used to be a sculptor that went here years ago. Sculptor went here years ago. And uh, I was just, I, I mean, I'm in awe of people that do art like I just think art is just unbelievable and so this dude was a sculptor so he would sculpt stone stuff look unbelievable but I was like how do you which like how do you sculpt stones I mean how do you look at this stone and begin chiseling an image he said he said pastor he says if I did it that way I would make nothing he said pastor when I look at a rock you see a rock I don't see a rock I see an image inside of the rock and he said, all I'm doing is moving the stuff off of the rock that's in the way of the image that's already inside of it. See, that's, that's what the sanctification process does for men. There's, there's already the man inside of you that God wants you to be. But God, through the process of sanctification, is just chiseling away at different things that are in the way of the image that is already inside of you. And so let's be encouraged as men as we blast off and we go into the world. I, I would love this community to just continue to be a community of investing in men. We used to be 50% men back in the day. And we want to see that return again as we lovingly engage men and go deeper 
in the community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Put your hands together for the Lord. Let everybody, tell all our barbers, everybody, thank you. Let's give God a hand praise for them. For their involvement in being here today and investing. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we thank you for this time. Maybe someone here doesn't know Christ and they need to be transformed into that image. They, everybody isn't born with that image inside of them. <laughs> Christ has to come into their life through them believing him by faith, trusting in him by faith, and taking them from spiritual death to spiritual life. Maybe you're here today and you never met Jesus Christ as Savior. We would love to talk to you about the Savior. Anyone? Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.